0: We are not millennials, we are matured,
1: brought up on collaboration as an art form delivered as value. Hey, Steve! I can't believe you forgot.
2: I totally <laughs> forgot. It was only one, only now when you were looking at me like hopeful, like, come on then, come on then. And I was like, oh yes, I need to say something.
1: Oh well, there you go. The habit of a lifetime and all that exactly. kind of stuff. Hey exactly. folks, welcome to another Office 365 Distilled. And tonight we're going to talk about a subject we have got no idea what we're talking about.
2: As always. As always. <laughs> <laughs> now, last episode, we actually said, okay, next episode, we're going to talk about Secure Score. We did. And that's what we did. We actually did our homework. We did. We've written a bunch of very uh, difficult words on our whiteboard. Actually, they're called hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics, yes. <laughs> and um, we're going to we're try to make sense of these and also... So this
1: is Secure Score for the poor man. Yes, exactly. Secure yes. yes. Alright, cool, cool, cool. Exactly. Cool. And the thing that I quite like about it is looking through some of Microsoft's stuff here, um, they call this the security posture. I love I love so that term. This basically means you're gonna take it up with the <laughs> bending over because you have a bad score, or you can stand up and run away with a good score. Is that what they mean by security posture? Oh, is it gonna be one of those episodes? <laughs> oh no.
2: We we'll have to make it an R rating once more. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I just cut that yeah. bit
1: out. In fact, if you're now at this point and you've got no idea what we're talking about, then I did cut it out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't. Probably. Oh, I no. might put a beep and in. Yes, that would yes. be good. I could oh. put a beep in. All right.
1: <laughs> so how so, have you been? How have I been? Um, good, hot, and bothered. So no complaints, really.
2: Yes. Here in Western Europe, we really got a, a heat. stroke wave wave wave, yes that one and no
1: covid so that's good yeah 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 i'm waiting to sign up for my passport i keep waiting for it to come online which is i understand three or four days away now oh the vaccination passport yeah yeah. oh yeah yeah. and i understand that you're waiting for your first prick yes (laughs) you're right it is going to be one of those podcasts yes exactly which is
2: good i love those oh okay i love those
1: all right yes so yes you're now on the list too which is neat yeah yeah yeah
2: so we'll uh, yeah we'll but see I, how that I'm goes. I'm good.
1: I'm good. I'm uh, I'm quite excited about uh, Commsverse, of course. Of course, yes. Um, we have the guests from Commsverse joining us later today. Oh yes, yes. So we'll uh, we'll talk to Mark and Martin. Martin, thank you about what they're doing with Commsverse, which is going to be a real in-person conference. Oh my God! Touchy I- feely, shaking hands, drinking hugging heating conference. all all
2: things that happen after that sharepoint yes yeah and mm-hmm. and
1: we're going to drop that in later in the podcast and you're going to hear about some of the really cool things they've got so two-day conference they've split it up well yeah um they've separated it and the party of the night before is in an awesome venue so yes. we'll cover that a little well,
2: bit. well the actual the the event is in an
1: awesome venue as well it's yeah. true yeah so, yes, so it'll be the first live one after two years of starting it up and having to do a virtual. So that'll be good fun a bit later on. So, uh, so yes, I'm feeling good. So how are you feeling, Moraine?
2: Oh, I'm uh, having uh, quite a bit of difficulties with the uh, hay fever. Oh. So if you think I'm sounding a little nasal, that's uh, probably that.
1: Don't blame it on my mix down.
2: No, 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 no. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of got me bothered at the
1: moment, but we'll see how it goes. And we have one more thing we have to talk about. Yammer. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Moraine lost his Yammer virginity today. Um, Well, he didn't actually lose it today, but he found a use for it today. Yes. (laughs) And it was a really critical business application that you had to build. And Yammer was the perfect match for it.
2: Exactly. I even referenced the Mocha framework for that.
1: Yes, I saw that in your message to me today. Yes, Yes. you referenced the Mocker framework. So this organization said, Moraine, we have an absolutely crucial business application. Yes. And uh, could you please deliver it? And could you tell our listeners what this absolutely crucial crucial business application was? Well, the
2: organization uh, wanted to uh, set up an environment where they could... Um, suggest or uh, recommend books and movies that oh, they've seen crucial. to other people and then so other people would be able to comment on it.
1: That's brilliant. Yes. And how much income did they expect to, to gain from this new application? Millions, 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 millions <laughs> in revenue. Yes, exactly. Yes. So we have, there we go, folks, the Yammer application, you heard it here first. But actually, there were some pretty cool things you did discover about it. Yeah, so, so my,
2: my first thought was, okay, are we going to do that in Teams Are we going to do that in in SharePoint with a SharePoint list that we put some conditional formatting on? Um, Or would we do that in Yammer? And then I was looking at the Mocha framework, which it's a community. It's not really teamwork. It's more of a community. So Yammer would be the perfect place. So I created uh, a test um, community in Yammer. And then I found the ability to add hashtags. And I found the ability to add topics nice
1: yes so that got you everything you needed to do and you was a rock star yes
2: five minutes later all up and running everybody happy
1: wicked yeah. wicked well i had a little bit of frustration in the last few days i had to do something that i never ever do i had to play yet again with jason oh me and jason we okay. are not really good buddies but and it didn't work Okay. So anybody that can help me out, yeah, you know where I am. But all I was trying to do was to make a field wrap inside a gallery view on a custom list. Okay. And so I went through all the commands and all my good buddies and I said, hey, look, what do I need to put in here? And they, yeah, it needs to have a style and it needs to be called white something or other and you need to do this, but... It works on a list, but it doesn't work in the gallery. Oh no! So yes, that was the usual Microsoft. Yeah. Okay, I've felt this pain for twenty years. Yeah. So, no logic, but anyway, I might get that one fixed. But good. to be honest, you're not a developer. I'm not at so, all, and so this is playground time. Yeah. So that's neat, right? Anyway, we get accused of changing the subject and jumping around all the time. And about five minutes ago, we said we were going to talk about Secure Score. Yeah, I just have to blow that's my what nose we're going first. To do. All right. So what we decided to do was, Marin and I would look at our own secure scores for our own tenants. And then we'll start to look at what you can improve. Because quite honestly, there's a very small number of things that you can improve that will get you a sizable leap. And to be honest, our tenants, which have single digit users on them, you know, my wife, my kids. <laughs> yes, that kind exactly. Of yes. All right. You're not. Test you're user not, one, test user Test two. user two. So I like that. Exactly. So we, you know, bear that in mind in terms of the context. But what it did allow us to do was to go and identify some pretty cool features of Secure Score as we started looking at it.
2: Exactly. All right. Yes. So,
1: Moraine, first of all, tell everybody, what is your Secure Score on your tenant?
2: My amazing, fabulous, all-time high Secure Score that I have right now today is the amazing amount of 15%. 15%. percent
1: I'm going to shake your hand. That is brilliant. Except I beat yeah, I beat yeah. Uh, <laughs> how much is it? 17.56%. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> and I have no idea why. Oh, no, I think we did look at why. It's mainly because I've got an MFA set on an admin account, which you didn't quite have or something like yeah. that. But basically what happens when you look at Secure Score, you see a list of suggestions of how you can improve your score. Yes. And five of them all have one point six nine percent against them, so you can yes. kind of ignore those. Yeah. And well then, Yeah. Well actually you can take them one at a time and decide whether you want to enable exactly, them. Exactly,
2: exactly. But if you want to take big leaps forward, then there are some others that you need yeah, to look so at. So the
1: first thing to do is to to resort them in order so the highest percentage come first. Yes. I should also say here that um, I don't think I'm being cynical, but I, I kind of feel like I am. But I'll let you take it as it is. 100% may not be where you need to be. No, 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 no. Basically, no. got to look at your tenant and go, same as anything else. There's a balance here. I can put all of these hours in here to get to 100% when the reality is I have no data on here that anybody is going to hijack. Nobody's going to try and lock me down with ransomware, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so... Managing some of these risks is difficult, but assuming that you're doing it for a business, then obviously that context has to be considered. Yeah,
2: I think we talked about this in episode 15 or something where we talked about security versus collaboration, did, yes.
1: security versus usability.
2: Yep. Um, yeah, so you probably don't want to go anywhere near 100%.
1: No, I don't think you will do. No. And this, the other thing as well is that. Um, for some of the items we're going to talk about when we're talking about a uh, sign-in and user risk policy, some of them require certain licenses that you may not have exactly, unless you made yes. Sneaky from Microsoft <laughs> really? trying unusual, to sell us. It? Here we go. Dear Jeff, stop <laughs> trying to con us by saying you can be more secure with extra licenses. Upgrade Maybe. now. Upgrade now, yes, the big button. Uh, All right, cool. So, so there we go. So my next question to you, Moraine. At the end of this, I will ask you whether you're going to attempt to move your 15% upwards. Uh, Oh, yes, I will. You are going to attempt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm taking
2: lots of time off in the summertime, July and August, uh, doing minimal amounts of work uh, and taking a lot of time to study on a
1: bunch of things. That's really unusual, you doing a minimal amount of work. He, uh, no, not at all. To, I thought you were going to do something different over the summer, but no, no, no joking, <laughs> joking, joking. All right, good. No, I, I like that idea. I think that's quite yeah. neat. I'm, I'm just going to go and tour somewhere and get whiskey and join the collection and stuff. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah that as well. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's make a start on um, those five or six areas that we think we can gain ten or more percent increase. Yeah, the easiest
2: one and the one I think every organization should do is um, adding uh, the uh, multi-factor authentication for admins
1: it's a no-brainer isn't it
2: that's a no-brainer like you will if you have 100 people in your organization you probably have one two three admins give those people an uh, mfa uh, authentication way and that's just that is really a no-brainer. Yes. So let's
1: just walk that through for a second. So what we have to do is obviously there's a few buttons to to flick in the admin, and that's easy enough to do. Yes. The real work is is making sure that your administrators are aware of what's going to happen from yes. tomorrow morning. You need to communicate that. Yes. You're going to get these kind of features. Um, small video hey scan the QR code all that kind of stuff you need to do Um, and don't get angry at me we're trying to raise our secure (laughs) score yes
2: no to be honest if they're admins they'll probably know about this they probably are involved in the decision to do this I agree Um, it depends on the organization of course but if
1: they're geeky admins then they'll have done it by the end of the meeting that you were talking about it in. Exactly,
2: yes, yes,
1: yes, exactly. And that, yes. and that, and that will give you 10 plus percent. So I think, uh, I, mean, I haven't got the figures up here. Yeah, 15 God or me, something or
2: yeah. 16%. Yes, exactly. And
1: it makes no sense not to. No, because those are the people with the
2: keys of the whole organization. Agreed. So they really need to be super secure. Yep. Yeah.
1: All right, MFA admins. Yes. Now, the next one is not so easy, which is MFA for all your users. Exactly. Now, I know all my users. My yes, you would, and your wife exactly, and your daughter yeah. and test user number two. and yeah, yeah. My, my daughters would go nuts if I made them start doing MFA because to them it's just an email account and there's not a lot of data in it. you know. No, that's true. But yeah. uh, from a corporate perspective, and I mean any size of corporate business, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's worth a try. It's no, of worth course doing. and and it's everybody's
2: so Exactly, and everybody's used to it by now because they're using it for their bank, they're using it for their whatever if they want to make a hairdresser yep. appointment, they probably need to do that. Um and we've also talked about multiple layers of adding MFA, so there are multiple ways to do that. The easiest one is of course the simple authenticator app. Yeah. Um where you just you flick a switch in the user uh profile And they just have to log on with the Authenticator app. Super easy to set up. Super easy to communicate. Um, For all my customers that have that
1: enabled, I don't see a lot of issues with it. Well, you you start to put some variety on this one. So it's not just about every time I log in, I need to put in my six-digit number. No, of course. If I'm connected to my local IP address and my own domain, um, then I don't need to put the number in. No, so if you're at
2: work, at the exactly. IP range of the work, you don't have to do that. If you're working at home or if you're on a, in an airport, God knows how those look like these days. But Yeah, I can't remember.
1: Uh, yeah. I gather they're painting them blue now, but I've not been there so long. I don't know what the new color scheme's like. <laughs> so, but the, yeah. yeah, that's true. So, so it is about, you know, you can make it easier on your users. Yes. But it's that balance as well. Um, if they never use MFA because they're always in the office, then the day that they start to use it, you've got problems so you do need yeah. to kind of I'm a this is MFA week inside and outside the office and you can also um I'm I'm saying this because I have a vague recollection of of setting it up many many years ago but you can also choose certain parts of the world where you insist that MFA has to be used so you can sort of say you know like the south american kind of uh, dodgy countries and um uh you know china and stuff like that then you yeah. you, you can do it I think based upon IP address range but okay. I, just, I would just need I'd suggest to people just confirm that I can feel it in yeah, my head yeah. but conditional access and stuff like that it's all part of that process yeah. on the tenant so yeah. you're good okay. to go oh, that's right. cool
2: yeah yeah. and cool. to be honest it's, it's not that difficult to explain it's not that difficult to enforce it's not that difficult for people to use it because you can act, indeed say ask it every 14 days ask it every 30 days something like that Correct. So, yeah, and I've, I've got thing. one. Sorry. I've got one customer that uh, where I have to do it every day, annoying, and that is it? super annoying because I have to do that with my admin account, but I also have to do that with my normal account. So I have to do that twice every day.
1: Yes, and I was the other balance that I was going to reference here. Your GPOs, your logon policies on your devices, mm. will also d- drive how often you need to do this. Yeah. So if you have taken the default and you've kind of got an eight or twelve hour. Um, uh, overall uh, authentication or offline access, then you won't have to do it very often. So once a day, maybe. Yeah. But if you are are more secure than that and you reset everybody's authentication every four hours, then they will be using MFA multiple times a day. Yeah. And there's one more thing. When people get used to it, they do get used to it. Even if you do make it every single day, you feel annoyed because there are some companies you do need to do it. And some companies you don't No.
2: Yeah. Well, it, it, it does uh, annoy me in the morning.
1: That's because you're not yeah. really awake. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So, anyway, yeah. So, MFA users, and again, this was another sort of uh, two digit percentage 10 yeah. or 15 of whatever the number yeah, was. Something it like that. Really, yeah, it doesn't really, really matter.
2: So, if we add those two, we already gained 30%.
1: Yep. So, you're just short of 50% now. Yeah. Are you going to do that? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, probably. Really? Yes. How long for? Thirty days. Really? Yeah, I think so. You still you you won't get pissed off with it before then, you mean?
2: No, I don't think so. I I think I think I will do that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Why not?
1: All right. Then and we then, get a weird one. Yes. Block Which legacy authentication? Yeah. So that actually
2: means if you're running if you're still running like old applications like office 2010 for example that's still it can't use mfa it it, it can't work with it so it True. still uses smtp and pop tree and stuff like that which are all weak
1: methods of authentication. exactly
2: yeah so there's a way to block those legacy authentications um, and that will also give you a number of points
1: is this a no-brainer
2: this is absolutely a no-brainer. Yes, if your organization is working with Office three six five, they should be working with the latest version of Office. Um, yeah.
1: But what about all those spreadsheets that won't work with anything above twenty ten? The macros won't work. Oh, they won't migrate. I have oh, to rewrite I've got they, yeah, forty well, thousand macros, and
2: yeah, they need to be rebuilt. Yes, so exactly. So that
1: balance about whether I turn it on, turn it off, there are things to consider here. Yes. Because the other thing is that if it was a no brainer it wouldn't be in this list. Exactly. So yeah. So I was kind of I was kind of surprised
2: that this was in the list because I would just assume that if you were working with Office 365, you wouldn't be dealing with Office 2010, for example, anymore. It it
1: brings into play here the whole question around your operational status of your yes. IT infrastructure so if you work on a tight budget within your organization you tend to do the innovation things and the things that need to get done because they're becoming uh outdated or they're being replaced and they're being mm-hmm. uh deprecated that's the word i was looking for and couldn't oh find. yeah but those excel spreadsheets it departments tend to say no nope, they have nothing to do with us they're the responsibility of the user and of yes. course, then the user says, "Well, we're not putting any investment into updating them, so yeah. we'll continue to use 2010." And as a business, they pay me. Yes. So there's, I can understand where that happens. So. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. All right. And then the one that's I find really weird, number four in the scale, do not expire your password. Yes. Now I'm 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 kind of security plus trained and all that kind of stuff, and I haven't done it for a while, so. You know, bear that in mind. So I kind of have ingrained into me. Hey, these are your password policies. Change it every 30 days or every quarter. So this one grates a little bit. But you think it's right? Yes. Because
2: when I was working for for a boss, when I was not a freelancer yet, um, I was working for a company for two years and I can still remember my password, which was... My first name and then the the first three letters of the month where i had to change it so it was maran jan and maybe i had to put some numbers in there as well so it was maran jan uh, 12 because it was 2012 and then three months later i had to change it so maran m-a-r from march 12 and then your,
1: your basic problem there is not actually that you're only changing three letters your basic problem is that that password can be applied to you in any place, anytime, anywhere. Yeah. So my guess is you use that same password everywhere.
2: Uh, well, back then I yeah. did. Yes, yeah. I mean, exactly. Sure you don't, because, because I you don't want to it.
1: remember 25 passwords. No, but the, the idea of a password model or a sentence, of course, is now all acceptable. But yeah. basically, Microsoft is saying that they have evidence, which I don't disbelieve. I accept yeah. it. Uh dear Jeff, I know you'll always tell me the truth, so I get that. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so the more often you change the password, the less weak they need to be because you have to remember it. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. So consequently, they're saying that if you let them choose a strong password, then you're good to go. Plus, of course, there are other ways. If you're doing MFA, the password has less less solo yeah. importance. Yeah. And, and Windows there are, Hello and all that yeah, kind of stuff. There are
2: even passwordless uh ways of logging on these days where Which you don't even Microsoft need a... it to push. yeah exactly because yeah. why would you still have to remember some very difficult string of letters and numbers if you can just smile to the camera
1: that's true maybe well i don't disagree with you you're yeah. good to go there are times when when hello won't work of course because for us especially where we have multiple tenant logins Yes, it has to use the local certificate on the machine, which can only be used once, blah, blah, blah. But that's okay. They're just kind of exceptions. Anyway, but that's number four, really, not expire the password. Yeah, Um, it's a weird one one for me. And then we have a couple of odd ones. Well, not odd ones. We had a couple that sound similar. So we'll get them together, kind of. Let's just talk them through together. So turn on user risk policy and turn on sign-in risk policy. And when I looked at these, I'm going, okay, that makes sense. But then I had to kind of try and think about which one was which. Um, And they're actually quite cool, I have to say. Yeah. So number five, then, turn on user risk policy. So that actually, so when Active Directory says,
2: hmm, this kind of looks weird, dodgy, so it will actually block a number of resources to you. um, And it might prompt you to change your password for example and, and what triggers
1: it so this got is no where idea logged in from oh, got okay. no idea
2: <laughs> no no idea
1: so it's actually about um the some of the, the places you are um uh so your ip location maybe something uh, it may well be that it's decided that you log in twice every time uh, or too often um and so it's about how often you appear on the network and, and there's some policies mm-hmm. and and tasks and things that you can deal to that so so that's the 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 user risk policy and then the turning on sign-on of course that's a specific function
2: yes because the sign-in risk policy that is really when you're trying to log in and the system thinks that this login looks kind of funny then it might prompt you to, for example, log in with multi factor authentication okay. to provide that extra level of authentication because you might be working in Texas and uh, you are maybe in China or you're in Japan or you're in wherever uh, side of the world. And then the system will say, hey, normally you're not in this location, so maybe you should uh, do MFA login for now, instead of just using your password and your username?
1: Yeah, so so for the one-off event of actually signing in, mm. then um, it makes sure that it's you're, it's comfortable with that. Yeah. But of course, if you have multiple sign-ins, that's when the user risk policy kicks in. So, yeah. hey, you know, actually they normally only sign in twice a day from these locations, but now I'm getting six logins a day from three different locations. So then I can implement some additional yeah. Or I can block certain resources. Yeah. So, for example, um, if you suddenly find there's a lot of logins coming from certain Asian countries that are known to be, you know, hacking or uh, or even sort of uh, ransomware from South America, that kind of area, then you can sit there and say, okay, I'm going to remove you from these sensitive drives until I feel more comfortable about, you know, your overall risk as a user. Yeah. exactly that signing on is part of that trigger process yeah so they're they're kind of big ones to understand but worth doing
2: yeah and And to be honest i mean most most applications do that these days as well i know that when i travel to the us for example and i try to go on twitter i get an email and google saying hey somebody was just trying to log on on twitter from florida yes was that you no problem if it wasn't you change your password
1: correct yes especially when you turn your proxy server on then it really gets confusing yes
2: (laughs) but the the most applications already do that um i i believe gmail does that as well although i can't really remember how that looked like they're
1: all they're all ip based so a this ip address is not in where you were last time yeah And, and the obvious one you know you sign in from japan now and then tomorrow japan and then two minutes later you're back in the us so which one is the valid or not valid there's uh, machine learning here can basically yeah, say that yeah, yeah. this is oh. this is what I expect, and this exactly. is exactly yeah. So those those six items there, then before we kind of get onto one or two other things, but we're going to go move to converse, I think, in a minute. But um, those six items will get us sixty seventy percent. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So why is everybody not at sixty percent?
2: Because not everybody takes the time to fill in those things that they're a
1: secure score that is true so what we're going to do then is we're going to take a break now and then when we come back we're going to look at how you can set action plans up for this you know what 15 percent actually means because mm-hmm. hey it's just a number we can see that some of the tasks yeah um, how we can convert that and some things around alerts and policies and what security access do you need to get to there and in the meantime let's move to the uk in september and go to commsverse The Hybrid Conference 2021. Tell us everything. So, here we go. We have uh, Comsverse. Starts in September. We are the official podcast. So, hey guys, introduce yourself. Okay, here we go. So, my name is Martin Boehm is is the correct way to pronounce my surname. I've had many different flavours of that surname, but I won't go into all of them, but... Um, so yeah, so I'm one of the organisers of Commsverse. Uh, I also work as an architect for Microsoft as well. I'll hand over to my fellow partner in
2: crime
0: or my, my fellow leader.
2: Yeah, are you always
0: are you always that friendly to each other? Yeah. Supreme leader and all that here. <laughs> so I, I'm Mark Vale. I'm an independent consultant. Um, I've been doing Teams, Microsoft GC, Skype for Business, Link for a number of years now. I worked with Martin, taught him everything he knew back then, then uh, got him his job at Microsoft. You know, so yeah, um, been active in the community for for a while, and uh, I have a, a, we have a tech event called Commsworth, which we're hoping to finally get off the ground this year properly. Um, ...in September, so uh, fingers crossed.
2: So, ComsVerse, special name, you're not using the, the SharePoint Saturday name... ...so where did the idea for first uh, come
0: from? Yeah, it was my mad idea. But, uh, well, it, it's all seemed very easy to start with. And then Covid happened and it got very complicated very quickly. But, uh, yeah, it, it started summer 2019. I remember, being, I remember being on holiday and we were pinging each other messages trying to think of names for the event. I know, right. yeah, I know. So I, I, um, I, I jumped upon to the States and went to a conference over there called Comms v Next, um run by some MVPs on Stateside. Uh, go check them out if you're in the States. And I thought, do you know what, this conference is actually really good. We don't really have anything like this in the UK or Europe. I thought, do you know what, if these guys could do it, then maybe I can get somewhat close to it in the, in the UK, maybe sort of spread it across the globe a little bit.
2: And the venue is just awesome. Uh, I looked at it already on, on images. Also, the, the place where we're doing the, uh, the, the, the speaker party, it just looks awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, so the uh, well, there's, there's actually two venues. The, the pre-event is at the uh, aircraft museum at the back of the main venue, which is Mercedes-Benz World. Um, so we've got that the day before the conference, or the night before, rather. So as Marion mentioned, we have the Concorde hired for a few hours, so you'd be able to go on there, sit in the seats, drink your champagne, pretend to fly at Mach two, um, and then uh, go into the World War Two hangar where they've got some, you know, some old planes. Um, it's quite a historic venue, really, because it's where Vickers used to build their, I think it's Wellington Bombers um, for, for World War Two. So uh, there's a lot, lot of history of that museum. Um, and then we've got some live entertainment. I think we've got a bit of an indie band coming to do a, do a set for us. Some some drinks, some nibbles, and uh, generally just have a good time for, you know, get to know each other for a few hours before the event. And the, the main events across uh, two days in Mercedes-Benz World. You guys are pitching this as a hybrid conference, so what does that actually mean?
1: I, I mean, I've read the brief, but how are you making it work?
0: We structured this this one up differently. So last year it was kind of we had everyone knows this, the notions of session tracks, like the categories that you could follow, and we had the same categories going across both days, which meant that we could have maybe fifteen, twenty sessions in each category. But we decided this year that. We would split the days up into two parts. We'd focus day one more on the collaboration side, so um, team based collaboration, productivity, front end, user adoption, business uh, automation, et cetera. And then we focused the second day more on the back end and sort of teams, admin, uh, deployment, design, voice, um, devices, etc., tenant management. So the more sort of techy side. If you if you split it out in the Microsoft um, difficulties, day one's more like level 100-200 stuff, and uh, day two's level 300 and 400 stuff. And the reason why we did that was that because even though your ticket gives you access to both days, if you're feeling a bit weird about turning up both days, you don't want to like risk it. Then you can pick your poison, right? You can pick which which day that you want to want to turn up on that's going to be the most Im- impactful to you or beneficial to you, rather.
1: Yeah, that's true. The biggest risk is people just don't want to come in because of all the cars and planes and cool stuff that's uh, that's in the place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've got the whole the whole place um, booked out. So, and the most interest interesting stuff we can actually screen off if we want to. So, we say, no, nope, you're not looking at this car. Um, Right now, everybody, go into this room, please. So, but we, we had those thoughts, didn't we? But I, I, I think you, you want to have that from a conference as well. You want to see things, do things, experience.
2: So, for everybody who is interested in coming to a real life event, what would be the the thirty second elevator pitch?
0: Oh, wow, this is going to be hard. So, CommsWorth two-day technical Microsoft Teams-focused conference, September the 15th and 16th this year at Mercedes-Benz World, just outside of London. Tickets are £59. They're on pre-order. Don't pay until we confirm the event. If you're into Teams and you want to learn about how others are doing it and from real-world content from expert speakers across the world, then uh, we're the event for you. So, hope to see you in September. Check it out, www.commsverse.com to get your ticket today.
2: This conference looks so freaking amazing. I just hope we can go with all the international travel and such.
1: Yeah, it's not Ah. very optimistic, but uh, I might might play my British passport card. So I I might get over there. But the other thing is that if we go down there, Moraine, then we have to do a whiskey tour. Of course. the, the Cotswold course. whiskey is just round the corner, well, kind of around the corner. Yeah. And there's a brand new distillery being built when I looked last summer, about oh. 30 or 40 kilometers away. So, oh, be, oh, so we'll have oh, to do a visit and we'll have, to, yeah. we'll have to do a go.
2: Yes, yes, sir.
1: All righty. So yes, I'm not sir. bent over anymore on my secure score because I now know how to stand up straight without a worry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: yes. And also, to be honest, like, You've got that benchmark of 22%, which sounds rather low. Um, It's super easy to get above that. Um, Well, let's
1: talk about that 22% because I really think that's quite cool. So on your secure score, you will see something called a peer comparison. So Microsoft, use the information they have about your tenant and say, okay, look, other tenants... The same as yours, and I guess they're comparing the number of users, the type of information, the number of times you access, whether you access outside of Europe or just inside Europe, that kind of stuff. Mm. They're saying that if you want to measure against your peers, they're at 22%. Now, to me, that's a solid number that I should be bigger than.
2: Yes. That should be ab- average. You should be above that. That so, that should be your
1: minimum. Correct. Yeah. And my guess is those minimums I've done things like MFA admin and away you go. Yeah. Exactly. And the other really, really bad news is that and I hate this, but I guess it makes sense, is that if I did put MFA admin on mm-hmm. and I boost up from fifteen percent to thirty and I go, Woohoo Pierce, you can pierce off because I'm better <laughs> than you. All right. But the number will go down. Because that MFA admins is only worth a certain amount each over a period of time. And it kind of degrades because oh. basically you, they're looking for you to constantly look at your security. Yes. And that's the other key thing about this is that security isn't a one-off thing.
2: No, you, you know? need to keep on looking at these things. If, yes. I put
1: a secure, if I put a security system in this house and I spend five grand putting it together, I still need to remember to turn it on every night yes
2: exactly
1: (laughs) so exactly so yes. so this this stuff is something that you need to touch on if you are managing a tenant for other people then checking secure score is something that needs to be in your monthly checklist monthly operations run make sure there's any suggestions and needs to be done and then of course when i've worked out what there needs to be done they've got a really cool way of making sure you action them haven't they
2: exactly i was just gonna mention that so what you now can do so for every item on that uh, list is you can actually share that into planner so you can actually just say okay uh, this turn on mfa for all the users okay this needs to be something that we talk about with the community uh, with the communications people we need to talk about this with security people we need to talk about this on the governance board so i can actually share that to a planner plan on a specific group and then it will be added there as a task for somebody to do
1: so you can first of all you can decide whether it's something you're going to ignore or whether you're not going to ignore it or whether you're going to action it yes and then it's got some pretty cool things for action in it so you can make a note you can put it on planner you can collaborate over it on ms teams yes you you can can send it as a conversation in teams as well yeah and then you can still decide at that point i don't want to do it of course but yeah now, and then course, you just
2: say okay i'll, I'll i've will i mitigated that risk um and then it will go
1: away as well yeah well the risk won't go away no of course because but. i'm assuming the opposite now happens so you decide now that you're not going to do something mm-hmm. but like everything else there has to be a recertification process yeah. so like my mfa admins has been enabled now but it basically depreciates in value Then the ones that I decide I'm going to accept the risk, I will get reminded that, is that something that you still want to accept as a risk? Because this is still something that you can improve and that you can change. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: So that's pretty cool. So that action plan and choices I quite like because, again, operationally, this is about operations and keeping secure and maintained. Mm -hmm. You've got an audience that you can share this with. It's not just a simple single decision. No. It's a group effort. And some of these are complex. I mean, things like user risk and sign-in has got nothing to do with me as a SharePoint admin. No. It has got a lot to do with my AAD management team and my identity team. Um, And so I'm going to be collaborating on those items with a lot of people. True, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That is pretty cool, I have to say. That is pretty neat.
2: And there are a bunch of things that will require a lot of work, a lot of thought, Maybe some extra licenses, but there are a lot of things that you can already do to improve the security of your organization, because that's really what we're talking about. We're not trying to bump up some silly number. We're really talking about how to improve the uh, security of your organization. So, um, yeah, that's a bunch of things that are really, uh, yeah, a no-brainer to set up or to do, yeah.
1: Cool. Alrighty. righty. Um, so that was the action plan. Uh, right. Can everybody see SecureScore? Or is there some way of controlling who can see it? And should everybody be able to see it?
2: No, of course not. You, you don't want everyone in your organization to see this. So the URL is securescore.microsoft.com. Yep. It's on the new Defender uh, uh, platform. Um, so you won't see it in your security... Uh, admin center there's no link to it so, so kind you know, of, you it's kind want, of hidden
1: yeah it is kind of hidden it, yeah. it, it is accessible through um secure.microsoft.com.office.com i think yeah. it's secure protection.office.com.com but you need admin rights to be able to do it and there's yes. basically a couple of admin rights so you can give people read access so your security team that know nothing about manage uh, microsoft 365 um, but they can read it, so there's secure reader or secure organizer, security organizer. So given them the, that admin rights allows them to to read it. And of course, you know, I'm assuming that your organisation will have some way uh, of uh, giving them those rights without necessarily being part of their normal admin. Yeah. So their admin account can be given those rights, yeah. and then you can be a security administrator, and that security administrator then basically makes sure that um they can change it they can set up the action plans they can make those choices and uh uh, obviously drive them forward if that's what their role is specifically so it, it is an interesting one because it kind of fits in between no real role that you and i normally deal with and it's not really security it really is a collaborative process to be able to to do your score so but the question is, does anybody really care about this?
2: Um, well, people care about security of their organization. They yeah. don't really care about the number that the secure score gives you unless you've tied it to some bonus as for your,
1: for your yes, security I people. I will get security score up to 65% and then that can be my bonus for the year. Yeah, uh, yeah. especially if they've listened to this podcast and know they just need to do those six items. It's good to exactly.
2: Go um but uh, the number nobody really cares about the number but people care about security in their organization you just hear more and more about ransomware about hacks uh, big organizations small organizations schools um so yeah it's it's getting more and more important to provide decent amounts and levels of security and you can just do that with a bunch of these things with a number of these things so
1: does that actually mean though that the number is irrelevant or is it a kpi is it something that you should achieve or is it something from an operational perspective kind of you know to be honest if i take mfa admins if i don't do mfa users um legacy apps are based upon business not expiring the password I do want to do that risk and sign in. So it's not difficult to get to 50, 55%. No. no, exactly. And if I fall below it, it means that one of those key areas is actually failing or has been degraded. Yeah. Exactly. So it's not a bad guideline. No.
2: And it is, as you said, something that you should review every three months. Yes. Just to see, okay, are we still okay with these things that we don't do and these things that we've done? Good.
1: Done. Yeah. Alright, so that's pretty cool. Then the only other thing to, to finish off on this um, that is worth mentioning, of course, is you need to test it yourself as well internally. So you need to monitor it and check it. And there's a great feature um, within the Secure School, within Defender uh, around policies and rules. So you can actually set up policies to manage this for you and set alerts. So it's broken into to three areas. The ones that I'm really going to think about more than anything else is alert policies so when you look down this list of alert policies you get a number of things that you can start to track and get notified by Mm -hmm. so for example um, you can decide i want to be notified if somebody does an e-discovery search and then immediately exports it or downloads it because from a gdpr perspective exactly you know yeah now it's not going to stop them not necessarily going to trigger it you can say that you can do it so many times a day so you can decide but of course on a daily basis rather than this three monthly review you can actually set certain triggers yeah so the one that not-
2: the one that i really like is the one where you get an alert when somebody adds a forward rule to their email
1: Yep.
2: so yeah. maybe you've gained access to your boss's laptop And you just want to know everything that they've been talking about. So you just sneakily set up a forward rule of all his email to your email. So that you just get a copy of all that email. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's an extreme view. But definitely one that you need to monitor. There's no doubt about it. But I think more importantly, you don't want your corporate emails appearing in somebody's private email. Exactly. And it is easier for me at home to look at my Hotmail account. So rather than being in the day on my corporate email, then then you can stop that and turn that off. So yes, that that to me is a bit of a no brainer uh, yeah. to to stop that one. Um, the one I kind of quite like is is the phishing thing. So fish mm-hmm. delivered when somebody's junk email folders turned off. So we all hate junk email, mm-hmm. you know, having to check in and go it. So a lot of people just turn it off. So everything, nothing goes into the junk email, and then of course that means they end up with a lot of phishing stuff that Microsoft spend. A lot of time and money sorting out for yep. you, and then of course it drops into your inbox. So if somebody receives a phishing email and their junk email box is blocked, turned off, hidden, or whatever, I want to know about it, yep. so that I can send the boys round and tap him on the shoulder and go, "Oi, boy, you are putting <laughs> this company at risk." Yes. Da 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 da, da. All right, it's cool. Yeah, there's a bunch of really cool features there. No, I think yeah. it's neat, and you quite like the testing as well, didn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, the phishing uh, testing. So uh, you yes, can the actually do... simulation
1: testing. What yeah. Do call it? Sorry, the attack simulation training.
2: Exactly. So you can actually have Office 365 send phishing emails to a bunch of people in your organization. And then you get a report on if they clicked on any malicious link. And what did they do? Did they give out their password? Did they deleted did they not read it so that you know uh, what level of adoption and training that you need to provide around phishing and and security for your end users
1: yeah that's cool Uh, on top of that there's also some threat policies so the anti-phishing one just to stay on the same subject so when they have phishing attacks you can actually start to send called of safety tips and suspicious messages and identify them so yep. when you see phishing attacks starting you can instantly get people out and say hey be careful don't do these emails blah 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 mm-hmm. i think i've told you the i love you story and the melissa one from many many years ago when that was the largest um, uh virus attack yes. around in the world yes and we kept telling people do not open an email that says i love you and they all go really what happens when i open this and then 10 more people get the virus and you're shouting down speakers in the PA system in the building so you don't want to get to the point that uh, that gets screwed up so that's pretty cool alrighty so that was Secure Score please people I need to say this is a health warning Um, you are not learning everything you need to know about Secure Score from Stephen Moraine standing at a bar talking shit about Office 365 You need to go look at it yourself. But what I hope is we've given people, we've given some of the listeners some highlights that they can look at and some areas that we think are of value. But hey, secure score is bigger than this. So please don't think, right, I'll go and get a whiskey because we're going to talk about that in a minute or two. And I'll sit down here and I'll just listen to the podcast and make the changes that Moraine and Steve say because then I'll be secure.
2: No, yeah. no, no. No, you definitely will not learn all about Secure Score uh, just by listening to us. What you will learn all about is about the whiskey that we're going to drink. We
1: will. Yes. All right. Okay, good. So, Moran, you've brought something a little different today. Uh,
2: yes, it was, it's been quite some time since we've done a Japanese whiskey. It is. And I happened to stumble upon... Uh, a few little boxes of uh, Japanese whiskey and I don't want I didn't want to bore you with a Nika days for example that you can get in every supermarket these days. True. I actually wanted to get something special different. and different and this whiskey that I
1: brought it's a blend. Don't hate me for it it's a blend i fi- I've noticed a couple of really nice blends just recently yeah. that I've tasted so yes and actually i have a confession oh i had um i forgot the name of it i had the tumnalina the uh i forgot it now but it was um sherry heavy sherry and i really really enjoyed it oh i think i've my i've spent months training myself but i'm sitting there going Maureen would be proud. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, wish nice. I, I forgot. I forgot the name of it oh. now. But it was one. It came in one of the boxes, and I'm sure you've had it too. But I was thinking, I must tell you about it. But it was Sherry one, um, and I'm going, wow, that's cool. Anyway. Cool. Yes, so All right. Japanese. I'll tell you the yes. name later.
2: Japanese. And this one is special because it has been finished in a rum cask.
1: A Japanese rum cask?
2: Uh, I've got no idea. I don't uh, know if they do rum in Japan. I assume they
1: do. They do I've got uh, no idea where the rum cost came from, but, but... What I really like about this is the name. Kura! Kura! K-U-R-A. I'm sure it actually says Kora. Is that the name? Kura. 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 Oh, that's better. Yes. There we go. It's not particularly cheap, just to let you know. It's... Yeah. Uh, it has its depths in there, and it is a rum-inspired delight, and it comes from Okinawa, um, which is obviously part of Japan on the southern mm-hmm. side of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so Ooh, you've poured it, me? It, yes. Oh, it's clear, isn't
2: it? It is very clear. Yes, it's, so it's not a dark yellowish thing it's it's more like a like a bourbon cask and the funny thing is every time we taste a really peated whiskey it's always very clear it doesn't look like it's gonna be super heavy but when you smell this yes you smell the peat already so it's a japanese peated whiskey that was finished in a rum cask
1: now, the color description is interesting. What color would you call this, Moraine? And don't go for the one that you know the website says.
2: No, I, I can't even remember what
1: it said. I'll tell that in a minute. Um, it, it's actually... Um, I'll go with apple. Apple? It's kind of that light, applely juicy color, you know? If you,
2: yeah, if you, if you put a lot of water in it, maybe. <laughs> because this just looks like water with a slight coloration on it.
1: Uh, It's actually Russet. Russet, of course. And uh, that's what it's called. I have no idea what Russet actually means. I've never heard of whiskey being called Russet. But the nose is a real mix of eile whiskey and Japanese sweetness. Yes,
2: yes. You definitely get that sweetness in there. But it's in the
1: background. You get that peaty hit. Yeah. That smoke. Yeah. And then... I, of course, every time I think Japanese, I think lychees, but it's not lychees. It's more kind of apricot. It's apricot, more earthy, yeah. isn't it? But it's a lovely, a lovely smell. It's, it smells great, yeah. The silence is because we're drinking it. And Mamorin's thinking about it.
2: Oh, that is very different
1: than <laughs> I was
2: expecting. <laughs> So when you take a zip, there's almost no peat in there. But it does hit you with a lot of pepper in the back of your mouth.
1: You're not wrong. A lot of pepper.
2: Lots. It's like a little explosion that goes off. Like, boom. And then it's gone.
1: But then you get that smoke.
2: Yeah. This is actually very nice.
1: This is very weird.
2: (laughs) It's weird. I don't know if it's nice. It's weird,
1: definitely. Well, I like a whiskey that has a journey Mm. and so from that sweet smoky peaty nose through to that pepper followed by the smoke to me that's a journey you're obviously got you look look like you've been sucking one of those sherbets where your ears go ah no that
2: pepper burst when you take a second hit then you get then the, the, the 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 pepper explosion is bigger
1: it is pepper as well, isn't it? I was thinking no. more about the chili, Uncle Nesta of, chili stuff yeah. that we talked about. No, this is really peppery. Yeah, mm, but I quite like it. Yeah, I think it provides a certain amount of body to it, mm. and I think I like it is because it passes by and then you get the smoke.
2: Yeah, but what I've so so where's I've, the wrong? I've been I've been drinking a number of cask strength whiskies lately, and I kind of like how they. Or full of body, and they just provide you that oomph from the start.
1: And this doesn't. No, it doesn't. This builds up to the, the yes, peppery, which is exactly. quite nice. I think it's quite like it. Yeah, but it, it
2: doesn't have that rich mouthfeel. No. It's not that oily mouthfeel that you've actually taken a sip of something.
1: No, I was swirling it around the glass earlier, and yeah. uh, it's kind of there, but it, it's not oily in yeah. terms of that process. A drop a bit a drop of water in it might actually bring some out later but i'm really trying to find the rum feel and it kind of is on the edge of the finish
2: yes you get that light sweet touch it's it's lingering it's it's not present it's not like the Balvenie rum cask or something it's it is barely present if i if if I wouldn't know that it this would come from a rum cask, I probably wouldn't have noticed it.
1: Um, I think I'd have noticed it on the nose. So, I, I think that kind of apricot, solid, sort of um, um, strong fruit was potentially there. Now, going back to this finish. So, you get the pepper, you get the smoke, and then you wait. Because then you start to get that sort of pleasant fruit rum-ness rumness <laughs> rum fruit <laughs> rum yes
2: but with with a lot of
1: peaty smoky mm. touches but it's there yes. it kind of wavers in and out it's quite yeah. interesting it's the kind of whiskey that I could really enjoy drinking for a, a longish amount of you know a, a single glass would last a while because I don't need to take a second sip even now
2: no I get it but I'm kind of disappointed with the lack of mouthfeel
1: yeah that's fine but it's a blend I think that's yes. quite typical of a blend. A blend really is about the flavors that hits you. It's not got the depth that a single malt that spent, you know, 12 years in a barrel it, yeah, or not has get got. That. So I think yeah. that's what we see, we're seeing here.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, the Flavors are definitely there. It's very tasty. I just miss that oily mouthfeel like you're actually sipping something
1: But do you special? get that oily mouthfeel from a Japanese whiskey normally? You do, it's not something that's... Ooh, you that's don't a normally good get. It. I do have a, a Japanese whiskey called the Malt or something, and it's quite a a, a cheap, low end mm. one. It's quite brown, very dark coloured, and that does have that kind of you know um, depth to it without the complexity. Yeah. But most of the other Japanese whiskies don't have that kind of malt sticky. No. To the throat view.
2: When we were tasting the Kayo, Cayo also doesn't have that a
1: lot. No, but it has a lot of fruit at the beginning. Yeah, and then a nice and that thing makes at the up end.
2: for it. It does. This one actually, this one comes to life in the back of your mouth, and when you uh, on the aftertaste. Yes. This really, it's it's like one of those. I don't know, one of those uh like fighter jets. You, you see them? You see them fly over? <laughs> and then you hear the sound yeah the and this is the same effects. thing so you you drink it you zip it and then you think okay and then it then the explosion comes
1: a drop of water brings out the fruit yes a little definitely. Bit like the yeah
2: chia. yeah you get a, a, a totally different nose on that yeah
1: mm-hmm. but then you lose the smoke ah there's the rum So a drop of water does emphasize that fruit.
2: Yes, it does bring out those lighter floral touches, those sweet notes. But it takes away the the, the peatiness.
1: Doesn't doesn't remove the finish, though. It's still going very pleasant.
2: Well, yeah, but the the pepper explosion
1: is also not that big anymore. Oh, it's coming back again, though. The pepper. No, I like this. I like it because it's interesting and a little complex. It's interesting. It is definitely interesting, yes. Oh, it's getting really sharp. There's a couple of guys yes. on YouTube that taste whiskey. We've watched them before. You know, they, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the YouTube channel, but they just sit there, and one of them is all talk, mm-hmm. and the other guy just sits there, and every—and he goes, oh, yes, and, and then this is happening. And, oh, yes, and then this is, and all he's doing is just tasting it. The other guy is doing the ya-ya-ya-ya, yeah. but they're really, really cool. I wish I could remember the name of the channel. But it's not as good as Whiskey at Ease, of course. The, of course. The, the real of course. whiskey. YouTube channel, which is uh, Moraine and I doing perverty things. If you've caught episode uh, (laughs) 2.2, but I'm not going to spoil it, but check that out. Cool. Well, we've blown our hour, but of course, as always, yeah, but uh, you know, I think that's going to be the case with ComShaw because we're going to be talking about the Com- Sorry, comsverse yes uh, we're going to be talking about comsverse uh, all the way to the event in september yeah they're going to bring in some speakers and uh, we're going to bring some of their sponsors uh, so we're looking to forward to happening. that yes so we're going to uh, bring in one or two of those things so that'll be cool so secure school i think it was a good subject definitely good call yeah now there's one more thing we have to talk about oh and i know we're running late and i do apologize we oh, should oh, have oh. mentioned it earlier oh we need to do a one-inch party. Yes, yes. We need to do it. We got a called out. Yes, exactly. We got called out by... Neither of us can uh, remember. And we didn't check it out, but oh. we will get I that I know sorted. the guy because I was in
2: a meeting with him and he was showing me one of these very fancy bottles and I was... Super jealous. <laughs>
1: um, so we will issue a date. We yes. will tell you all about it, and uh, it'll be sometime in July before the end, before the start of the summer party. Yeah, uh, summer period, I guess. And uh, we will do a live online meeting where you can bring your last inch of a whiskey and tell everybody about it. Yes, definitely. I
2: think that's gonna be.
1: Awesome, yeah. Yeah, we definitely need to do it separately so we don't have to... uh,
2: Drive anymore. Drive anymore. Uh, That's a good call. That's a good call.
1: Because I might have a few last inches left in a few bottles. Well, because I refuse to finish bottles, I've actually got a lot, but I don't think I'll be able to do them all in one night. No. I I would, but I need to stay where I am and sleep from there. Yeah. Cool. Well, secure score. great Japanese blend, my friend. Mm. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. I know you weren't so... No, so no, taken by it. No, not
2: that. No, exactly. But that's okay. But it's interesting. Definitely listen, interesting. We
1: are not supposed to enjoy every whiskey we no, taste. No, it's true. It's There's true. no fun in that. No. So that's good. All right. So anyway, Steve Dolby here saying goodnight, Cy si Steve, on Google and anything else that you can find me on. On and, Google. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Google. If you if you Google si Steve, you will get all of my feeds. Okay, okay. Because that's what you get with gray hair and having been on, you know, the first thousand email addresses from Google.com. Oh, so yeah. Been around yeah. a while, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, so that's how you can get me. Uh, ask any questions you like. And, uh, yeah, so hover to Moraine. He started oh. and he will finish.
2: Uh, yes, and then you will always just... Do it, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You will always no, I won't. say something. I won't. I'm not going anyway, it's okay. So f- that's a goodbye from me at Maran Somers on all the socials uh, except TikTok. I'm not doing TikTok. Maybe I should do TikTok. We'll see. Anyway, um, on all the socials at Maran Somers, um, feel free to leave me a note. Uh, also, I would love to know what kind of whiskey you would bring to the one-inch party. We will let you know the dates and. Um, Thank you all so very much and see you soon. Don't, don't.
0: We are not millennials. We are mature. Steve, maybe more
1: than Maren. Maturing the business like whiskey in a barrel.